You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our senior pastor, Jeremy Havlett. Well, we started a series a couple weeks ago called Under My Roof, talking about how God wants us to actually experience peace. And the place that we can experience peace, really where we wanna be able to have it, is in our homes. In the places where we live, God's design for us is to be able to, to live life. Listen, life is incredibly hard, but if you can do life God's way, do things the way he tells us to do it, then you can experience the peace that he wants you to have. The Bible says in Philippians, that we can experience the peace that passes understanding is what it says, and that phrase is interesting, and we take it to mean that we can't comprehend the peace that God wants to offer us, and I wanna give you a slight different perspective. It's not that God's peace passes our understanding where we can't comprehend it, it's that God's peace cannot be replicated. In other words, we cannot replicate the very peace that God wants to actually offer us because the peace that God offers us is himself. We don't go to God to get peace, we go to God because he is peace. And nobody can actually replicate the peace of who he is. And so when it says peace passes understanding, what it's saying is this, is that nowhere, no matter where you are in the world, when you're searching for peace, you cannot replicate the thing that God wants to actually offer you completely for free. And so it's just this different mindset. How we think about things is differently. And so we're looking at it, and the goal would be that we would be men and women who, who, who say, okay, God, we're gonna do things your way as for me and my house, uh, we will serve the Lord so that we can therefore experience in some measure. Now, I'm not saying life will be easy. I'm not saying things are not gonna happen that you didn't want. But what I am saying is this, is that regardless of what you do experience, God still remains good and you can still experience peace. And so we've been talking about different subjects. We started talking about money. Today, the topic is marriage. The title of it is Better Together. Now, don't roll your eyes if you're single. I wanna encourage you, there's some great stuff in here that as, you, as the Lord might lead you into a relationship and you can experience the, the marriage situation, that there's things that you can learn and you can apply and kind of keep in the back of your mind and there's some great stuff, hopefully today that'll encourage you. But let's start off this way. In the world that you and I live in today, let's just, let's just be honest about a couple things, ready? In the world that you and I live in today, I'm gonna start off, just get us all in the same boat. When I look out and I have kids who are getting older and navigating through things, I'm like, I realize that the world we live in today is addicted to falling in love. We love falling in love. This is like a major thing. The, the cartoons that we watch when you're a kid and the happily ever after and the, the books that we read and the music we listen to and the movies that we watch. When my wife and I, my wife and I have been married for 16 years, going on 17, our very first, she would consider our very first date, I uh, picked her up. We went downtown Greenville, this is 2005, it was July 31st, 2005, because my wife didn't told anybody what her birthday was, and I figured it out by myself that night. We're in downtown Greenville, we're at the, at the bridge, and butterflies are, are moving. You know what I'm talking about, the butterflies, right? Yeah. <laughs> Romance is in the air, and it starts to drizzle in downtown Greenville, and there's a tree that was overlooking the, the rocks, and as the rain began to fall, it forced my wife and I into a confines of togetherness. We love to fall in love. The music that we listen to. In fact, uh, DJ Zeus up there, let's see. What do we have here for you guys? Hold on, we're gonna get there in just a second. Oh. Don't act like you don't know this song. We're getting there, hold on. Jack, 
He's so handsome. There's still not enough room on this board for you. You will die, but man, it's a great story. Hold on, Celine, take it. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Come on, Jack. <laughs> I got it's old school. This is this is legit good. Ready? Hold on. <laughs> I was gonna make a joke about a baby dedication nine months from now, but I'm not gonna do that anyway. <laughs> Don't write me an email. Don't write me an email. That right there. <laughs> Hold on, uh, this one right here is gonna hit you right where it hurts. What is love, baby, don't hurt me, don't hurt me, no more. <laughs> All right, that's good, doctor. DJ Zeus, we're good. You know, <laughs> it is true, we're, but okay, and, and the, this is kind of silly, but I promise you this issue is actually very much not silly. Because in the world we live in today, in our mindsets, we're so addicted to actually falling in love. It's amazing to me, you can have a guy who's married to one of the most attractive women in the world, and yet he's not faithful to her. I mean, you mean one of the most beautiful women, and what happens is he cheats on her with multiple other people, and, and one of the things that I think causes this, well, there's a lot of reasons, but the stuff we watch on our devices that we know we shouldn't be watching, those images can have a massive effect on the way that we process information. And what happens, unfortunately, with this is, is you get addicted to always something new. It's gotta be something new, something new, something new all the time, and those things happen, and so we get wired to being like, I can't ever be satisfied with what I have. It's always new, 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 new. And it's not just the images from devices that you can watch, it can be the books that are read. And it's the heartbreaking fact is that we know how to fall in love, we have a much harder time learning how to stay in love. And maybe the way that we do this thing is not always the, 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 the best way to go about it. And, and so it's this issue of like, man, we're getting so addicted to falling. It's just, so, so, so maybe there's a better way. Here, here's another reason why I think, honestly, when I look in the world today, ready? I found this is that we choose what's easy over what's best. Let me put it to you another way, ready? And I see this when people, and they start dating, and it's, you know what I see? And unfortunately, because I, and I really believe social media is a driver of a lot of this stuff, we live very, we've always been selfish as a group of people. But unfortunately, I think it seems like to have ramped up to another level where our ability to, I'll say it another way, people often can go into marriage trying to get what they want from it, not understanding what marriage actually is. In other words, I'm gonna get with you because I, want, I believe you're the one who's gonna make me happy. And so we go into these things looking for what we can get and not understanding that it can be so much deeper than that, that God intends it to look and be other ways. And so we often, if we're not careful, can choose what is easy. And that's something the world over and over and over again is gonna just say, well, if you're not happy, then you, know, you, know, you heard this phrase, the grass is greener on the other side. And I've said this from stage, grass is not greener on the other side, grass is green wherever it's watered. And so it's easy, and I've said this, I even said this last week, a mindset that can hit you so hard is that what you're missing is better than what you got. 
And so therefore what happens is when you begin to believe that, then you give yourself permission and it's just, it's, it's, it's like this, I'm here to tell you something. If you can switch the way you think, the things in our life. So here's what I wanna do. I wanna actually take us to the very beginning, Genesis to the moment where God instituted marriage and we're gonna pull some things from that and then we're gonna look at Ephesians as well. So at the very beginning, and I'm reading from the NIV, Genesis, we're gonna read in uh, chapter two, verse 15. God's word says this. The Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to work, uh, to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. If I just imagine that was a Boston cream tree. I think that was, that's the Jeremy translation of the Hebrew. If you don't know what a Boston cream, it's a donut. It's got the chocolate on top with the custard on the inside. And when it's fresh, okay, all right. Y'all are super spiritual today. I got, I got you, okay. You're free to eat, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper for him. So God gives Adam this task. He gives him something on his hands, gives him purpose for his life. And this is something that is still instilled into us today. It's for both men and women. But man, if you look at a man's life and the moment that he begins to feel like he doesn't have a purpose and he starts wandering in this world, it becomes a dangerous, difficult thing. But when a, mo- a man understands who he is and why he's here and why he has these hands and what he can do with them, it's instilled from the beginning that God gave Adam a task to go and to do, and it makes a huge difference. So, but then God realized it's not good for him to be alone. So, verse 20b, we're skipping 19, and the second half of 20b. Uh, so he sends him out to go and to do different things, And as Adam goes out and does the different things, it says this in 20b, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs, then he closed it, closed up the place of flesh. Then the Lord God made woman from the rib that he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. Now in the Hebrew, when God made man, the, the word in Hebrew, the connotation is that God squeezed it. He, he took the dust of the ground, he squeezed it. And then he blew life into it. But when God made woman, the Hebrew is he fashioned it. And it's this beautiful connotation of two different things. Man, industrial, ugly, smells bad sometimes. <laughs> Women, the crown jewel of creation. Beauty. And today, when you read Genesis, even today, I think some of the deepest issues on our hearts, when I look at it, between men and women, men not knowing what their purpose is, and women, one of the attacks on women is so much as the beauty that you carry. The, the, the understanding, there's a, a book by John and Stacey Eldridge called Captivating, that you would not understand how captivating you are, that you are the crown jewel of creation. And in fact, the, the, the joke is this, the reason why she's called woman is because Adam saw her and said, whoa, man. Okay. Even I know that's bad. But he took, he took it from Adam's side and they were equal and they were together. They're partners in life. Uh, my wife and I have been married 16 years and I, I can tell you, fortunately, there have been so few decisions that I have ever made by myself 
In fact, almost always, my wife and I make almost every decision together. And we don't have a perfect, we're not, we're not like the symbols. I don't like, you know, we're, we, we have, we're a normal marriage. We're normal people. But, but God took Eve from Adam's side. It's this, it's this beautiful imagery. It's how God created it. <clears throat> I think it's absolutely spectacular. Verse 23, the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. So shall she, uh, <clears throat> flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. That is why man leaves his father and mother and he's united to his wife and they become one flesh. So let's talk. This is gonna be a very practical, real quick. Listen, and by the way, can I encourage you? We have an incredible marriage program at Renovation Church called Reengage. And if you are interested in, in where you are in your marriage, I, I highly encourage you to sign up for Reengage. I do believe the fall is full, but, I, but we're gonna have it coming around. <clears throat> and I'll encourage you to sign up for Reengage because this is only a quick bypass on marriage. But I wanna talk about becoming one. I wanna talk about the element of what God did in original creation of how, how in this marriage relationship, two people, two individuals with different backgrounds and personality types can become one. So there's three words that I'm gonna use. And I've, over 16 years, stuff I've learned in, in our own life and I've seen play out. It's this beautiful imagery of two individuals becoming one. Three words. First word is this. <clears throat> and how you and I can become one. The first word, it's massive Communication. You will never, ever, ever become one without communicating. Communication is a massive, massive, massive thing. So here's what I've learned about communication, ready? After 16 years of being married, it's, it's so easy to wanna have the other person understand where you're coming from. One of the best things you can ever do in communication, ready, is listen. Listen, don't seek to be understood, seek to actually understand. Where's the other person coming from? A couple of years ago, I'd get up, so just my wife and I in our, our, in our marriage relationship, she's very literal, and I love to joke around. And I like to joke around to the point where you're not sure if I'm joking or not, and it's more complicated by the fact that my wife is very literal. And I have a bad habit of pushing buttons. I love pushing buttons, my wife will tell you. As she pour, pray for her, she nods her head. So for a couple of years, legitimately, I'd wake up in the morning, and I'd be like, why are you so mad this morning? First thing out of my mouth. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm like, hey, why are you so mad this morning? And, and eventually she's like, this is not endearing to me right now. And so she eventually sat me down. And she goes, I want you to listen to me. It's, I would get up doing just jokingly being silly. And she said, listen, will you please hear what I'm saying? Don't wake up and say that. Just don't. And, and I was like, well, you know, I would have. And eventually, okay, all right. And now when I wake up in the morning and my wife will tell you, I stop saying those things. What I say is, hey babe, how was your sleep? How are you doing this morning? Can I tell you those produced very different results? <laughs> and the Bible says God cannot be mocked. Whatever you put in the ground, that's you will reap. If you put in, hey babe, how are you doing? Did you sleep okay last night? I'm telling you, it's a very different path you're gonna be walking on for the rest of your day. Here's the thing, and I'm gonna actually talk about communication a little bit more, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna skip that right now. Communication is the bedrock of becoming one. You cannot get to any other stages of becoming one outside of communication, ready? You can't do it. Let's keep moving on though. Here's, here's the next word, trust. Trust. And this right here is massive. Now I wanna make a quick distinction because inside of a marriage relationship, there's all kind of moments where you have to forgive the other person. 
because they jack it up. And by the way, my poor wife has had to forgive me like a trillion times because I can be impulsive. I can say ridiculous things when I shouldn't say them. I do that all the time. You have no idea how I shove my foot in my mouth. And, and, and so all these things that I can do and who I can be. And so, but, but here's, let me make a very important distinction. There's a difference between forgiveness and trust. Now listen to me. A lot of times what we try and do is say, well, you have to forgive me. And what we're trying to say is you should trust me again. Can I just say something? Trust is earned. Forgiveness should be given. And so trust is a massive, massive thing. How we build in the relationship trust. And so, and he, let me tell you something. You will never actually be able to develop trust outside of communicating. And this element of trust of, of can I really trust you is really something that we want out of almost all relationships. Do you have my best interests in mind? Let me tell you something about my wife. I did a, I did a message not long ago about how I, how I like the really bad for you bacon bits. Like, like okay, so let me just get, tell you something. I love a baked potato with cheese, or sorry, with butter, and I get the butter. I take, okay, I take my food seriously. Okay, anyway, I illustrated how I love my baked potato with the butter and I mash it in there and then I put my salt in there and then I shred my cheese on it and then I like bacon bits. I don't like the bacon bits that come from the store that are actually bacon because they're kind of soggy. The bacon bits that I like are the stuff for you that are not real, probably can't sell in other countries because it's illegal. Like the bacon bits that say they're bacon bit flavored. The that's what I like. And I'll go and I'll dump a whole bunch of stuff of that in, in, my, in my potato. I love it. Well, my wife has never, never bought it. And then she sat and heard my message. And I've told her before. And all of a sudden, the very week, I go into the pantry. And you know what I see? A massive bottle of the horrible bacon bits for you. And so you know what I, I'll do? I can't even, I, I'm telling you this. Anyway, I'll open it up and be like, oh, no, no, no. I don't even need the baked potato. So my wife heard it. So do you trust how do you get to a place of trust where the person that, that, that you're with has your best interest at heart? This is a big deal. Let's, let's, go, let's go with the last word, ready? Intimacy. And this is what everybody wants. Everybody wants the intimacy. Everyone's like, the intimacy is, man, where it's at. And I'm here to tell you something. Let me, let me, let me just leave this phrase where it's at, ready? And this is gonna help you. And if you're not married yet, please listen, don't give up on this. This is gonna help you and down the road, Ready? Communication builds trust, which leads to intimacy. That's, that's becoming one. If you want intimacy, it starts with communication that then leads to trust, which trust grows and builds and leads into intimacy. That is the path of becoming one. And so if there's, if there's moments in your life where you're not having a lot of intimacy, take a step back and where's trust been broken? And if trust is not there, I promise you, you know why trust has been broken is because somewhere along the way, you stop communicating. And so communication leads to trust, which then leads to intimacy. And again, the thing that everybody wants, when we talk about falling in love, the deep desire of our hearts is that we would have the intimacy that we see in the movies, that we would have the moments that the songs sing about, that the books write about. These are the things that we desire. We wanna land at the place of intimacy, but the only place you can actually get there is by doing the hard work, which is why people who are single are say, man, when I'm married, then I'm gonna be happy. And all the married people go, oh, 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 bless your heart. He smells good now. Uh, he took a shower. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's, that's, that's why, because you know what? It's hard stinking work. 
And yet, it's the very thing that God intended for us to be able to experience. Uh, Vineyards in France that produce some of the most beautiful tasting wine in the world. It's amazing to me. You know what they do with, with with, with the vines? That when they put new vines down, they actually sometimes prevent water. They, they, what they actually do is put it in the soil and you know what they do? They take deep cuts to the root systems of the vines and they don't, want all, they don't water it all the time. They, they actually cause stress on the vines themselves and the reason they cause stress on the vines themselves is so that the roots of the vines will go as deep into the soil as absolutely possible. And what they realize is that by putting stress on the vines and by cutting them in those places, it forces the depth of the vines to get down there and what ends up happening is the taste of the grapes becomes a lot sweeter and it also means that the vines can last a lot longer because if there's a drought in the future, they're ready for it. Now, when God created this institution of marriage, and I think because the world we live in, we're so addicted to being happy, we think that happiness is the ultimate goal of life, and then we think that the person that we married is their job to actually make us happy, which is ridiculous, but it's how we think. And what I'm here to tell you something is God said, how do you take two individuals and you put them together as one? Life coming at them eight ways from Sunday, and yet what happens is God says you can experience a depth in the relationship that takes you deep together into the soil so that no matter what comes your way, you can become one. It's this communication that leads to trust, which leads to intimacy. So I wanna talk very practically, real quick, this is very practical, on how we can communicate. Because in my opinion, this is one of the things that, like when any kind of relationship, when it comes to starting, how do we actually communicate? Now I'm gonna speak in generalities for a second, okay? There's two ways that we can communicate. The first way I wanna say is face-to-face. Generally speaking, this is how women like to communicate. Now, it's not the case for all women, but generally speaking, women wanna actually look you in the eye because they're not just hearing what you're saying, they're looking at your face and how you're saying it. And so here's the thing, sit down, make some time. Do you know what happens? You get married, life happens, and you get busy. And in your busyness, you stop sitting down having face-to-face time. Men, the very best thing that you could ever do is sit down, give the margin, and give your wife space to tell tell you about her day and what's going on. Face-to-face. And that's not how men are wired. You ask a man how he's doing. Good, what happened? Stuff. No, what are you thinking about? I don't know. Women are like, so I'll put it this way. There's a book that's written. It's like, women are like, women are like spaghetti. Men are like waffles. Men compartmentalize everything in the little areas of their life. But women are like spaghetti. Everything touches everything else. Like, whoa, my dad, like, and for generally speaking, not always, but generally speaking, these emotions become real and they're passionate. Men are like, listen, and women, let me give you a heads up. When I go through my day, if it's been a stressful day, do you know what I don't wanna do when I come home is regurgitate my entire stressful day. I wanna get home and not think about my stressful day and move on with my life. And so we're wired in this way, but here's the deal. We know what women want? Someone to actually share the burden of their stressful day. And what happens is life happens and you don't sit down and you don't give the face-to-face communication anymore. And as a result, the marriage begins to suffer. Men, the very best thing that you could do is create intentional time to look across at the woman that you're with and say, how are you? And then let the chips fall where they may. <laughs> you go on that roller coaster ride. And you just like, I'm just telling you face to face. Now, women, 
are able to express how they feel and their emotions and the words that they use and different things like that. How do men communicate? Now, women, this is, this is generalities. This isn't for everybody, but generally speaking. I'm here to tell you something, ladies. You think that your man doesn't think through things? I promise you, men feel very deeply, even about complex issues. The issue is how do you get them to actually tell you how they feel and what they're processing? So I'm gonna, this, is, this is pure gold right here. Women like to communicate face to face. Let me tell you how men like to communicate. Ready? Side to side. Now, when I say side to side, here's what I mean. Ladies, do you wanna know what your man is thinking? Find out what he likes to do and do it beside him. If he enjoys sports, do something sports related beside him. If he likes to, listen, if he likes, you name it, if you ladies start doing something next to him, side to side, this guy who you can't seem to get any information out of ever, he gives you just brief generalities because as men, you come home from a stressful day. Again, I don't wanna regurgitate my whole day. If you start doing stuff next to him, you know what's gonna happen? As you start doing it, all of a sudden, all this information is gonna start popping out about how he's feeling and what's going on. It's crazy. Because men, as you do something, all of a sudden you're with somebody, you're like, oh, she's with me together. And doing something especially that he loves is gonna unlock all kinds of information about the battles that he's going through, about the struggles he's having at work, about the issue that's happening over here. It's gonna happen when you come side to side, which is, by the way, how God pulled you out of him from the begin with. And so men have a harder time with the face-to-face. Women have a harder time with the side-to-side. But if you make room for this stuff, it'll happen. Now, here's what I want you to see. Ready? Face-to-face and side-to-side is exactly what you did to fall in love to begin with. Because when you were dating and he was Prince Charming and she was beautiful Cinderella, you know what you did? You spent so many hours just talking. Some of your stories is, man, we met and just spent hours talking. The things that you did to fall in love are the same things you need to do to stay in love. And so you do face-to-face when you fall in love. You do face-to-face those things. But then life happens, you get married and you move on. And I'm here to tell you something. If you can go back to the things that you did to fall in love, it'll make an absolute difference. And so face-to-face. But then side-to-side, when you're dating, you went out and did a bunch of stuff. You know one of the best advice I can give to married people is this? Learn to have fun again. Seriously. In intentionally look at your schedule and put fun in it somewhere. Don't do a financial business meeting about the home or how to handle a kid's situation. Remember what it was like to do something fun. And by the way, you don't have to spend a whole lot of money to do something fun. Go TP some neighbor's house together. That's like, get some, get some the, the good toilet paper too, not the cheap one-ply stuff. That way at least they can, I don't know. That shit is, it does cost money. All right, fine. Do stuff, you don't need to be, listen. Here's what happens, you get married to things you did to fall in love, you don't do anymore because life happens and somewhere along the way you just like, well why aren't we in love anymore? Well because you stopped doing the very things that cause you to be in love. Face to face, side to side. And have fun. And then you're gonna realize that there's a lot more things that you guys can actually do together. Holy cow, I've run out of time. Okay, Ephesians chapter five. A passage of scripture I'm gonna read real quick, ready? Verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Can I tell you my favorite thing about my wife? I will tell you my very favorite thing about my wife. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt 
that she loves Jesus more than she loves me. And I will tell you, without a doubt, it's her most beautiful thing. And you have no idea how much she prays for you. You have no idea how much she prays for me. You have no idea how she's been my partner beside me as I, as I pastor this church. And I know that when I go to her, she loves Jesus far more than she loves me. And what Paul writes in Ephesians 5 is he's saying this, do you wanna have a, and you know why that matters? Because what happens is if, if you don't love Jesus first, that means that you're looking for the other person to complete you, to make you happy. Ain't nobody gonna complete you. The only one who actually can complete you is your creator, which is God himself. And when you love him first, you make room for him to actually fulfill who you are. Then you can look at the other person and instead of looking at them to fulfill you, you can actually be a blessing in their life. Am I preaching today? Y'all getting this? So be, and this is... I, my favorite thing, my favorite thing, Jess, about you is that you love Jesus. I, I you know what, okay, I gotta, okay, I gotta move on. I, there's not a, zero doubt in my mind. Verse 22, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body for which he is the savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And then a couple verses down in 31. For this reason, a man leaves his father and his mother and is united to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. That sounds familiar. We just read it in Genesis. Verse 33. However, each one of you must also, uh, talking to the husband, love his wife as he loves himself and, he must, uh, and the wife must respect her husband. Ephesians 5 paints the picture of what it looks like. So let me end with this. I know that when you read this, sometimes you can be like, well, man, it can be a triggering passage of scripture because wives, submit to your husbands. What does that mean? And, and I, wanna, I wanna put this in context. We believe and worship a God who is one God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Before we were ever created, God was three persons, Three, God the Son, and you know what they're doing? God the Father's looking at the Son, saying that's my Son in whom I'm well pleased. The Son is saying I don't do anything, the Father doesn't tell me what to do. And then they're saying the Holy Spirit is the advocate, the one who's gonna come. They're all pointing at each other saying you're awesome, you're awesome, no you're awesome, no you're awesome, no you're awesome. So in the creation, God himself is contained looking at the other one, uplifting the other one. And God made us in his image. So if God is triune, and is always pointing at the other one in the relationship of the Trinity. And he made us in his image. He made us not to be independent, he made us to actually love and to look at someone across and say, this is the person who I wanna do this with. And the reason I think sometimes Ephesians 5 is hard is because we only read the part of wives submit to your husbands. And we think about the domineering guy who's like, well, you're gonna do what I say. I'm here to tell you something. Men, love your wives as Christ loved the church. How did he love the church? He gave his life for her. And can I just, I'll speak in generalities. Do you know what the deepest desire of our hearts is? Is that the people, is that the relationship that's there, that we know that they have our best interest in mind to the core of their soul. That's what we want. It's this desire. And so when it says this in Ephesians 5, it's giving you a roadmap how to actually surrender and submit. It says, submit to each other out of reverence for the Lord. And then when you do this, man, what a difference it can make. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. 
And when you can experience this, it makes all the difference. I'll end with this. My, I'll end it this way. And this is kind of a, actually a, so, okay, this is a whole long series. Men love wives, wives respect husbands. When you see this in action, it makes all the difference in the world. And I got a chance to see in my family how this had been modeled. My grandfather, my grandpa Graham, we named our third son after him, um, Grandpa Graham. He was not my biological grandfather, he's my step-grandfather. And he married my grandmother long before I was born and lived in Cincinnati, Ohio. And I went to college in Indiana and we, because we lived overseas, we would see him only every couple of years. But I went to college in Indiana so I got a chance to spend a lot more time with my Grandpa Graham. It was only a couple hours from where I was going to school, so I'd stop by and hang out with Grandpa Graham. And when I would hang out with my Grandpa Graham, in the later years especially, with my grandma, uh, she had to be moved to a home because he no longer physically could take care of her and her needs were substantial. We would go and I would spend time with him and we would go together, the three of us to go. And I, I, I would watch my Grandpa Graham go to the home where my grandma was in. Her name was Grandma Small. And he would sit down with her and he was the most gentle human I had ever seen in my life. Now, you have to know, my, grand, my grandma Small had schizophrenia, had, a mental, had multiple mental breakdowns, and became a very difficult woman to actually be with. And then later, as she smoked like three packs of cigarettes a day, and we would go out to eat, my, my, my grandma would be, she'd be awkward to be around, she'd say to the, to the wait staff that was awkward, and, and, and it was just, she would smoke out of one side, eat on one side, and because her mouth, she couldn't control it anymore, the food would fall out as she was eating it. That was the scene often in restaurants. And I watched my grandpa Graham go to the home. We would walk around the block together, and I would stand behind them as he would hold her hand and just walk and walk and walk. And then he would take her to a restaurant to eat. And as awkward as she was, I would watch him get a napkin, and when drool would fall out, he would take it and he would wipe it and he loved her without any expectation of getting something in return. And as a college kid, I'm like, that is love. And he did that until she died and then he died. And I will never forget this image of what love is. And the world will tell you love is a feeling and I'm here to tell you something, love is a choice. The decision that come hell or high water, boom, I'm here to stay. And by the way, you're stuck with me. I'm gonna do this with you. I wanna be with you when you are, your hair falls out. I will help you manage your pill situation and get it all organized. I will see the worst of you, and yet I'm here. And Ephesians 5 paints this picture of two individuals, two individuals becoming one. So my prayer for you is this, is if you're in that relationship, you can do this. God is with you. You can experience this. If you're single, God can lead you into this kind of relationship. But don't pretend it's gonna be easy. It's gonna be very, very hard. But if you trust God, you can experience it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. Because there's, Lord, May we be the kind of people who are willing and able to do things your way. And my prayer, Lord, is that we would get a chance to experience the peace that your word tells us you wanna offer us. 
and in the most intimate relationship we can have, that with our spouse. May we see you at work. May you heal any wounds that have happened. May you speak your life into any situation that feels like it's too difficult to navigate through. And those who might feel hopeless in their situation, may they lift their eyes to you, King, because no situation is ever hopeless in your hands. May love be rediscovered. May romance be kept alive. May we experience the joys of what it means to become one person. And through it all, may we see you working in ways that only you can. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing in our marriages. In your holy, precious name, amen and amen. Church, we love you. If you need prayer for anything, please come down. We'd like to pray for you guys. Have an incredible Sunday. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at therenovation.church.